it's been wow, it's been a long time. Um, we're pushing up on almost uh, going on a year. There's like four or five months. Um, anyways, so news. Let's go over the news really quick. Uh, I guess the who was the FBI um, who had a a breach. Um, just just recently, it's pretty funny actually. Uh, the Hacker News reported that one of the analysts um, actually was carting information home and maintaining files, classified files at home uh, for a number of years, which is absolutely ridiculous. I got away with that. Um, but, you know, it happens. Uh, also, Bitcoin and the crypto market took a dive, a serious dive over the past week. I think Bitcoin went from somewhere around 60 grand a coin to something like 30. And now I think it's back up to like 46, but it's like really struggling. I'm not really sure what's going on with that. There's a 27-year-old um, uh, maker of one of the cryptocurrencies that predicted the cryptocurrency crash, um, which is pretty, pretty tight. Uh, 27 years old has his own cryptocurrency. Pretty crazy. Anyways, so um, this is how it works. Uh, you know, we'll just talk about your story and, and journey through uh, cybersecurity and talk about um, uh, Basically, you talk about your story and um, how you got to where you are now. Do you want to turn your camera, camera on? Oh, we lost him. He's gone. <laughs> so if you just want to run us through your story, um, how you got to where you are now, basically. Um, absolutely. So um, Tanisha Martin, I'm the executive director for Black Girls Hack. Um, we started as an organization in September. Um, we provide ethical hacking and training. Um, I have been trying to get in, had been trying to get into cybersecurity for several years, and I was finding it, you know, very hard. Um, I've got a couple of degrees, um, and uh, as well as some certifications, and I was finding that it was there are a lot of barriers to entry, um, and there's a big gap between, you know, what you need to get into cybersecurity from, you know, what you learn in school. So. Um, I've been an IT consultant for the DOD for the past um, 15 years, um, and I am currently also um, an instructor for cybersecurity and a penetration tester. So I'm excited to, to be here. I'm just trying to help increase diversity to see more women and especially Black women that are operating in the space. So, so tell us a bit about Black Girls Hack. What, 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 um, what motivated you to start that and, and what kind of things do you provide? What kind of services do you provide? Um, so I was finding that it was like really hard for me to, you know, actually just get in, in my foot in the door just to get interviews from, um, you know, when I was applying to jobs. So I started as an Instagram page in 2019 and was just putting out information as far as resources and, um, you know, training, things of that nature, study groups. Um, and I found that there were actually a lot of people who were in the same position as I was and just didn't have like the certifications or didn't have the the educational background that I have. So, you know, I started putting on um, uh, training classes to teach people ethical hacking. And I was doing that maybe six days a week um, where I was just trying to teach them hands-on skills in different areas. So, you know, how do you do penetration testing? How do you do ethical hacking? How are you, you know, introduced to capture the flag? So we started up um, with some study groups for um, certifications. Um, so we do like study groups for the Certified Ethical Hacker and Security Plus and like EJPT. We're, we're starting a Wireshark um, study group this week. Um, 
and we're just trying to, you know, kind of get people into the door for cybersecurity. So we're helping them get the certifications. We're trying to get partnerships with a lot of um, industry um, training providers so that, you know, we can get the folks um, training so that we can kind of remove some of the financial barriers to entry um, for people. So we do, you know, I think six days a week, we're either doing um, some type of ethical hacking training um, and it's all beginner friendly. So we're trying to, you know, get people the skills that they need so that they can go into the interviews and have confidence and be able to describe what it is that they're doing and the tools that they use. Mark, you back in? Cool. <laughs> yeah, just, just briefly, we'll see how long this lasts. Um, yeah, so tell me, Tanisha, how do you know um, the people at TechStrong? Because we were introduced from Charlene O'Hannon at TechStrong TV. Um, what is your connection with uh, TechStrong? So we have a, um, a partnership with um, a company called Rangeforce that provides cloud-based security training. Um, and they actually put us in touch with um, a number of, of PR people, including TechStrong. Um, so um, we interviewed with, um, I did an interview with TechStrong at some point. Um, so they they made the introduction, but you know, it's, it, it's absolutely been amazing as far as like them just connecting us um, with different people so that we can kind of get exposure for organization. We're a new organi organization, you know, we're trying to, you know, take over the world. So, you know, I, I want to have a, a lot more women, um, cybersecurity professionals and hackers in the world. So like they're helping us to get the exposure. So that, that that's who I would, I guess, uh, credit for us, uh, us being connected. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, we're actually connected to Range Force as well. Um, they're one of our uh, people that, that sponsor our podcast. They're pretty awesome. Um, yeah, so I came into contact with Charlene O'Hanna. I think it was last year. Um, I had an interview with them um, talking about SCADA, and then they introduced us. It's a very small world, and I don't think people really understand how small the cybersecurity world really is. It's very tiny. Um, so it's really cool. Like the whole diversity thing, we try to try to promote that within the Haunted Hacker as well. Uh, we have several co-hosts and, and people in the, the community that are diverse all the way from neurodiverse to culturally diverse to, I mean, you name it, we have a plethora of a wide range of people um, in the Haunted Hacker. But what you guys are doing is, is amazing. Uh, being able to that ground and open that door, uh, not a whole lot of people do that. Um, and up until, I think it was about probably 10 or 15 years ago, um, IT was traditionally a man's industry, um, long beards, gray hair, attitudes, the whole thing. Uh, but it seems to be changing. It's changing quite a bit. Uh, the, the face of technology is getting a lot, a lot younger, except for Ryan's. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> what you guys do is, is really awesome. So how do you help out? How do you help out the, the younger kids, the, uh, like the primary school and, and um, intermediate school kids? So we are actually in the process of developing um, a program called Black Kids Hacks. So um, what we're trying to do is to try to, you know, get to the root of the problem, the diversity problem. As you said, you know, if you see conferences, you see professors, you see, you know, basically most of the people who are operating in the cybersecurity space, they're older white guys, right? So, you know, we've seen just in terms of like some of the, uh, you know, the, the research that, you know, a lack of diversity in terms of like algorithms, in terms of the data that's collected and, you know, the, the evidence that it's building up, it, it causes some bias when you don't have, you know, more people mm -hmm. in the room who are, you know, different, you know? So um, I, 
I think that the root of that problem is that, you know, we need earlier exposure to um, cybersecurity and I'm thinking like the K through 12. So we're, we're developing the program to try to roll that out. We're gonna try to start in DC public schools um, to provide them with exposure um, to the cybersecurity fundamentals and Linux and um, capture the flag and just, just cybersecurity in general, but specifically ethical hacking, because I think that just based on like the, you know, how most much of it's like a game, you know, where it's just like, I have a goal. And, and if you achieve that goal, then you can, you know, get something great, like, you know, root or, you know, the top of the capture the flag ladder. Um, and I think that the kids will, you know, look forward to that much in the same way, because, you know, a lot of people like playing video games. So I think that's something for them to, you know, uh, that they would like doing if they got exposure to it earlier on. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And we're actually creating a uh, certification type, type of like capture the flag type deal um, in tandem with with Rangeforce actually. Uh, so it'd be really cool that the whole idea of gamification of cybersecurity is is paramount. We actually have a guy coming on in June um, that that he focuses on strictly gamification. Um, but you're right. I think I think that kids, you know, they're very they're very unique in the way they look at things. And if you have bright colors and something active, bells and whistles and lights, they're on it. Uh, but I've seen kids walk into a classroom and be bored out of their mind, not pick up anything because they're reading from a book. And so I, I come from the same school as you. I, I think that kids need that hands-on and that game environment, that fun game environment to really learn. Because once you take the idea of learning out of the equation for a kid, they just think they're having fun. But really, secretly, they're learning something. So I learned that with, with kids at a young age. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's really cool. So you're up in uh, D.C. What part of D.C. are you in? Um, I, I'm actually in Virginia. I'm from uh, Northeast D.C. originally, <coughs> though. Um, so, you know, that's why, you know, that that's my heart. You know, the, you know how they say people don't move, you know, farther, you know, real far from where they grew up. So I think I'm maybe 15 miles from where I, I grew up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm uh, an exception to that rule. Um, I, I'm not really sure where I belong, to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, I grew up, I was born in D.C. I was born at Walter Reed Hospital. So I was a, a military brat. Dad worked at the NSA. Um, and most of the kids in that, that area uh, probably were the same. Um, then I spent some time in uh, Virginia Beach. So the Virginia and D.C. area is beautiful, especially uh, this time of year with the cherry blossoms and stuff. Um, so what else do you like to do besides the BGH and, and obviously hacking? Uh, I got to see some of these hacking skills, Tanisha. That, I'm really interested in seeing this. Um, so what else do you like to do? What, what are the kind of hobbies do you have? You know, is there anything that, that you, know, you focus on outside of cybersecurity that kind of helps you in cybersecurity? Um, so I, I really like um, capture the flag games. I, I just started actually playing last year. I, I, I was telling the folks in the um, my squad, which is like the Black Girls Hack members, that, you know, I'm really just a baby medium hacker. You know, like I'm not a, out here claiming to be like the most lead hacker in the world. Um, so I'm steadily trying to, to learn myself. Um, but I like, you know, playing games. I like, um, you know, like board games poker games, any, any games really. Um, also like um, I've taken on gardening, like we have a, a couple of planters in my backyard because um, I find it is very relaxing, you know, away from the day-to-day, the -day, you know, hectic life. Um, but that, that's pretty much what I do. And I, I watch a lot of bad TV. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, balance is, balance is really, really important when it comes to uh, cybersecurity because it's real easy to over inundate yourself with, with work. Um, I've been guilty of that many times and got burned out several times. 
uh, and burnout's real. I, I don't think that um, enough emphasis is put on uh, mental health and burnout for cybersecurity because it seems to be one of the industries that really suffers hard from it. I'm not really sure why that is. Yeah, no, I, but, I definitely um, agree. I was just going to say, like, we talk so much about how to get um, people into cybersecurity, but, you know, really, you know, I think that there should also be some um, attention that's given to trying to keep people in the industry once you get in there, just because, like, it's, it's very... Um, overwhelming and and at some points it can also be um unforgiving I, I can't think of any other industry where you know as soon as you mess up then it's just like someone's trying to to fire you <laughs> you know like i i think you guys were talking about the um that breach last week where the 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 gentleman in the hill was talking about like you shouldn't hire somebody who has had a breach yeah. or something crazy like that and i you know i kind of feel like trial by fire is the best way to kind of learn from your you know mistakes and to kind of grow so it, 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 I just found it interesting. Yeah, if we could just get uh, law enforcement to agree that, you know, hiring reformed hackers is not a bad idea, the world would be a much better place. Uh, but yeah, like some, some of that stuff is, is really difficult. Um, but with, I think you, you, hit, you hit the nail right on the head when it comes to balance. Um, and that, that goes deep into cybersecurity, not just um, your mental health and, and home and life, you know, work balance. It also has to do with, you know, keeping that level head. Um, I've had so, I've lost so many friends in the industry um, due to, you know, burnout or, you know, life happens and they just don't know what to do with it uh, because there's no time to stop. Um, and that's one thing about cybersecurity is the need for it never stops. It's a 24 by seven industry. It's, it's, there is no breaks. Um, and, you know, I think it really hit hard, I think, a couple of years ago when I was at a company in, in Houston, and it was Christmas Day. And I was working on Christmas Day simply because they had nobody else to do it. Um, and I was doing all the cybersecurity for this company. And they told me, hey, you know, cybersecurity is 24-7, so we need you to work on Christmas Day. So we make a lot of sacrifices in the industry as well. Um, and ultimately, our family and, and our health uh, pays a price for it. Uh, but we, you know, there, there's groups that have started to, to help people out with that. Um, as well as in, in our discord, we have a mental health section, um, that people can, you know, go and talk to anybody and, and, you know, it's all, you know, private and, and, you know, we try to help people out. Uh, so what is your destination in your career? What, what do you see yourself at the pinnacle of your career? So um, my world domination plan um, ends with me being the CISO of a fortune um, company. So that that's where I'm aiming. So I, it's, it's my hope that within the next, let's say five to seven years that you guys, uh, that's where you'll see me at. <laughs> that's awesome. And it is, that's totally obtainable as well. Um, you know, hard work and perseverance and, and dedication really pays off. Uh, and what you're doing, you know, people see the, the advances you're making with, you know, BGH and, and really helping out the community. And that goes a long way in this industry, a, a very long way. Uh, that CISO position is very obtainable um, when, you're get, when you're giving back and, and constantly trying to help people out. And that's what I found in this industry is that, you know, if you're giving back, good things come your way. Uh, and I think that's the same with life in general. Um, as long as you, you know, don't go around trying to destroy and you try to help, uh, good things happen. Um, so tell me about your favorite hack. 
My favorite? Um, Your favorite, yeah. I don't I don't necessarily know that I have a favorite. Um no. No, I I there's a lot of ones that I think are very interesting. I was I was talking to someone the other day about like the um the the pipeline that just happened um and how like I feel like that is um it's it's interesting because I feel like they really got off by paying five million dollars, right? Like anytime I see a hack, like I, I I usually find them very interesting just based off of the fact of what they're able to accomplish and you know what security people I guess did not I guess account for or, or address in like their their risk you know mitigation strategies. So I I honestly don't know if I I, I have one. That's that's probably sad. I'll work on that though. <laughs> okay, I, I gotta say the uh, dark side attackers that, that hit that pipeline with that with that uh, ransomware. Um, Five million dollars is is a little low. I think I would have shot a little bit higher, <laughs> especially Definitely. knowing the damage that they could have done. Uh, billions of dollars probably um, but yeah again they i don't think they know I, I don't think they knew what network they were in until after they had deployed the ransomware and then they were like oh shit you know we made a mistake um but again that the whole story is kind of shady to me i i don't know how much of it i buy um but you know time will tell ryan do you have any questions for tanisha I do actually. Um, so you do mentoring as part of your day to day. What 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 traits make a good mentor? Um, so I, I think that the, the best trait for me would be honesty. So you know, as much as possible, I want people to try to learn from uh, the mistakes that that the people who've come before them, you know, have made. So for me, you know, even though, you know, I'm not that far into my hacking career, you know, I still want to as much as possible teach people, you know, the things that I've learned and help them to avoid kind of the mistakes that, that I've made. You know, I, I think for women and especially black women, one of the biggest areas that, you know, we kind of got get hit over the head is in terms of salary. Um, so, you know, I, that's why I said, I feel like honesty is important because, you know, people, like if you, you get a, a smaller salary earlier in your career, um, it's hard to make up that ground as you, you know, go along, especially, you know, for women. Um, so I, I, that's what I think is probably the, the best, just be, being willing to share, you know, the mistakes that you made, the failures, and then how you've grown from them. So, so what's the first piece of advice you would give? Um, I would say to never stop learning, um, to talk to people about um, the salary before you take it. Um, and honestly, I would, I always tell my mentees to talk to specifically um, white men. And the reason being is that if you look at the, the, the history of cybersecurity, these are the people who have been in the industry for the longest. These are the people you see, you know, um, that are in the top echelons of cybersecurity, right? So they can let you know, you know, whether or not the salary that you're being offered is reasonable given what it is you're supposed to be doing. Um, I think I mentioned earlier, I'm from Northeast DC. So like, I, I always tell people that like, I'm a quarter hood. And, you know, when I got my first job out of the gate, um, I was making like, I think it was 55,000 a year. And I was like, this is dumb money. Like, I don't know anybody who's making this much money. And like, I was like, yes, I accept. There was no negotiation. And then um, I actually talked to one of my friends who had graduated from the same um, program that I did. And she, you know, joined the same company, was doing the same thing. And her salary was actually, you know, $15,000 more than mine you know, doing the same oh. with the same exact background. You know, I, I went to Carnegie Mellon and then um, uh, Johns Hopkins and she had gone to um, uh, Berkeley 
and Carnegie Mellon. So, you know, we had the same background, same type of uh, caliber of schools. And, you know, she literally got, you know, 15,000 more because she, she knew her worth. So for me, you know, I tell people like talk to, find an older white man and ask them, you know, like how much money should I be making? You know, what is a fair salary for this position? Because, or find someone who's actually in the field because I think Glassdoor is like glass lighting people and, you know, indeed. And, um, you know, the average salaries that you see out there are not necessarily the average salaries. Cool. Yeah, the, the salaries they, the salaries they post is ridiculous. Um, I think there was one for a SOC analyst that was like $40,000. And I thought, who in their right mind is going to take a job 40 grand as a SOC analyst? There's no way. Uh, I think my first uh, job in the commercial world was somewhere close to what you were making. Um, and again, it was because I was moving across the country and it was like, uh, you know, panic. You know, what do I do? You know, I don't know my worth. Just left the military. I did a DOD contract. And it was like, I have no idea what I'm worth on the outside. And I think that, I think a lot of people go into the industry with that same mindset, you know, just looking for a job, period. Um, but I always, always tell people, too, that when you go into an interview, it's your interview for the company as well as is for their for them to interview you um, it's really important to ask questions and, and to really dig deep and you know make a list of questions that you can take into the interview with you um but yeah like i, I totally see where you're coming from the um so what you guys are doing with, with gbh um, i would love to get involved or help support you guys any way i can and i'm sure ryan would would mirror that sentiment as well um, seeing we have the same same ties and stuff, uh, but I totally believe in your mission. I think that's that's really awesome. Um, you know, maybe we can get rid of Ryan and, and do something else. You know, have another co-host or something. <laughs> kidding, 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 kidding. Um, so I'm going to open this up to uh, the audience. We got a question from the. We got a question. Um, I this is from Gabriel uh, Ravensec. Uh, are you are you are you going to expand tutoring into other areas of security? Uh, Example, malware analysis, incident response, and so on. Um, so our goal right now is to expand it into every area of cybersecurity. So um, as I said, when I started um, Black Girls Hack, like I, I was just basically teaching six days a week. So I'm limited literally to teaching the things that I know, right? So if I you know, knew malware analysis or if I knew in those things, then I would definitely be teaching them. So you know, that's why we're always asking for volunteers because I don't want um, the squad to be limited by my knowledge. I'm definitely trying to learn more things every day, right? But like my I'm more interested in the offensive security side of things. Um, and I, you know, as much as I learn, I'm going to try to teach them so that, you know, they, like I said, can know what I know and be able to take over the world much quicker than it'll, it'll take me. So, you know, if anybody out there is interested in, you know, teaching whatever it is that you know, whether that's workshops or whatever the case may be, I, I'd definitely be down to teach those things. But like I said, until then, I, I can just teach what I know. But I, I would definitely love to provide exposure to a lot of different areas of cybersecurity because I think you know, it's what needs to be done in the future. We need to see more people. And how does someone become involved in that? Do they just reach out to you or? Yep. So um, blackgirlshack.org slash volunteer. Um, 
literally anybody can join the organization. We don't have any like discrimination as far as like, you know, in order to be involved um, with us. Like I tell people, like, if you want to come hack with us, please do. Um, you know, we're literally doing something, I want to say six days a week. So anyone's welcome to volunteer with us or to mentor if they want to, you know, provide mentoring to the next generation of cyber professionals or provide workshops. Like we definitely, you know, would love to have people to come out and, and help. So um, our website's blackgirlshack.org. Um, and like, we, we, we welcome everyone. That's awesome. Um, I would, I would definitely like to, uh, hang out and do some hacking. Um, I'd have to do it remote though, because, uh, DC is a little bit too close for comfort for me. Um, maybe one day we'll see. Uh, so I'm going to open this up to everybody online and see, do you guys have any questions for her? Um, Tanisha, do you have any okay. questions for me or Ryan? We've got another one here. Um, have you uh, have you had anything to do with the Pico CTF? Yes, yes. We actually um, so every Saturday we have a intro to capture the flag. I swear that must be one of the the squad in their uh, plugging questions. Uh, every Saturday we have a uh, intro to capture the flag, which is geared towards beginners. So we look at a lot of different. Um, uh, capture the flag platform. So today we actually did um, Pico capture the flag, um, which I'm always um, down to promote because I'm an alumna of uh, Carnegie Mellon University. So um, we do that every Saturday. It'll either be in Pico capture the flag or one of the other um, capture the flag type things. Sometimes we even do try hack me, um, but it's to introduce people to like more of the gaming aspect of cybersecurity because you get so much exposure um, into different areas. And I think it's a great way to let people know, you know, what to expect once you get out into the uh, cybersecurity world. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, um, nothing from there. Okay, so tell me about um, being in the top 15% of the National National Cyber League Fall 2020. What's the hell about? <laughs> um, so I actually, for the first time That's in the fall of 2020, um, you know, played in the National Cyber League. It was the first time I had ever done a capture the flag competition ever. So um, I jumped in there and, you know, I did pretty well. Um, so like I came in the top 15% and I was really proud of that. So I um, tell people all the time, like um, one of my friends, um, uh, she goes by the name Root um, and she was like the number one person on um, uh, I want to say it was hack the box in November of last year. And I told her that if I um, made it to the top of the hack the box of the try hack me, that it would stay in my LinkedIn profile forever and always. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's what that's about. Um, I, I, I did pretty well. Um, it was my first time I had never, you know, done any of those before. Um, I, I have a, a, a few master's degrees and in none of those did we ever have to touch an in-map. You know, there was no hands-on, there was no like um, actual tools that were actually being used outside of like a digital forensics. I think we did some um, in case at some point, but there was no hands-on tools. So I kind of like, you know, have worked to teach myself as much as I can. And then I want to share that knowledge as much as possible with, um, you know, the next generation of people who are trying to get into cybersecurity. Did you say that you have a couple master's degrees? Um, I, I, I do. I, I actually have, um, I think it's five at this point. <laughs> How many, sorry? I said five I have five. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. Well. How does one have five master's degrees? Um, 
Well, so my my first Good one, Lord. like I intended to get, so it was in healthcare policy and management because my plan was to go to medical school and save the world through through healthcare. And um, I volunteered as an EMT and realized that um, I have an adversity to blood, which is going to be a really big problem if you're going to be an emergency medicine physician. So. Um, at the time, I, I told you like the, my friend and I both got hired at the same job and it was in healthcare IT. And my um, company said that uh, my healthcare master's didn't mean, sh can I curse? Yeah. Okay. Yes. My <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they said that my healthcare master's didn't mean shit in um, that their IT field. So I went and got another master's in um, just information and telecommunication systems. Um, and then from there, like I just went and did cybersecurity and digital forensics. And then I did an MBA because like, again, my goal is to be the chief information security officer. So I'm trying to take over the world. I can tell. I can see that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I have no degrees. Uh, yeah. It's pretty bad. Um, but I, I give you kudos for being able to knock out five master's degrees. That's some serious commitment. That, that's unreal commitment. Um, really cool, though. I think uh, you're probably the most educated we've had on the show as far as uh, level of degrees go. Look, I'm going to put, put it in my LinkedIn bio. Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, though. That's awesome. Um, I, I tried to take some online courses at Stanford. Uh, there, I guess it's continued learning, cybersecurity, computer science school. Um, I took one semester and dropped it because it was super boring and I just couldn't, I couldn't concentrate. Uh, school is definitely for some people and definitely not for some people. I don't belong in school for sure. Um, but I encourage people who are trying to get into cybersecurity to get as much training and knowledge as they can in school. Because when you go to get your first job and you try to get an entry level job and, and you're required to have five years experience and umpteen degrees, it's tough. It's really tough. Uh, those who don't have degrees or certifications really have to prove their worth hands on and they have something to, to walk into the interview with. Um, so well, I, I try to go ahead. I was going to say, so how would you say that you've gotten to where you are? Because uh, I, I took a look at your LinkedIn profile earlier today, and I, I saw that, you know, despite the fact that half of it's redacted, that you've clearly had a very successful, you know, career in um, the, the ethical hacking space, um, penetration testing. So how, how would you say, you know, like in the absence of degrees that you have gotten to where you're at today? And, you know, how could other people replicate that success? Because I'm always trying to, you know, let people know that there are different ways. There's no one correct way to get into cybersecurity. There's no one, one correct way to succeed. So what would you say that the keys to your, your success? I think the keys of my success is being in the right place at the right time, most of the time. Um, that and making mistakes, but capitalizing on those mistakes. Uh, you know, I made some bad decisions early on uh, that got me into a lot of trouble. Um, but those mistakes helped me get the mindset to where I need to be, where I'm at right now. Um, really, for me, it was more when I got my first job, it was mainly because of the military. The military really helped me get that, that I guess, trust level. Um, you know, when you walk into a, a business and you tell them you're a veteran and you served and during conflict, then they're pretty apt to hire you. Uh, but with, with the abilities that I had and the hacking that I did back then, we didn't have an ethical hacking industry. There was no, there was no CEH. There was no, um, 
training course. There was no degree for it. Um, we were just hackers and eventually it became a job and we were all shocked. We were like, wait, we're going to get paid for this. That's fucking awesome. Um, so yeah, uh, a lot of this came from the time when BBSs were, were popular. Also, you know, the very beginnings of the internet and AOL and ICQ and all those good things. Um, there was no cybersecurity field. There was no uh, ethical hacking. Uh, so what I tell people now is don't stop with what you got into the industry with. Don't stop with ethical hacking. Um, like some of the stuff I do in the lab, like I'm venturing into cryptocurrency right now, just screwing around with crypto mining. Um, there's, uh, there's so many things to do and so many things to try and experience in cybersecurity and in technology in general. Um, there's like you said, there's plenty of routes to, to go. It doesn't have to be a degree. If you want to make the big bucks, five master's degrees will do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like <laughs> nobody should expect that off the bat. Um, so I, I really focus my time on trying to help people understand what it's like getting into the industry. And I, I try to work with the industry to kind of lower some of those wants or some of those ideal must haves uh, to make it easier for everybody to uh, get into the industry and, and cooperate and get along. Um, yeah, like you're, you're totally right. There's multiple ways into it. And I think that's the first question someone's actually asked me about the way that I get into it and, and my route, uh, it's really cool. Um, so if you would, if, if there was one thing that you could take away from your job uh, that you wouldn't have to do any longer and you'd be happy about it, what would it be? Uh, going into the office. <laughs> So for me, I, I've absolutely loved, um, you know, this, you know, no one's expectations of, of me coming in. Um, I, I think that most of the things we can, as you can see from, you know, the past, whatever this has been like 18 months, um, has shown that, you know, much of our, our society can still operate working remotely, you know? So um, I, I've seen a lot of articles recently about people saying, oh, well, you know, the amount of productivity of people who are, you know, at work versus not at work. And um, so for me, that would literally be the thing, uh, the thing that I would stop doing. Um, as far as like the actual day-to-day -day tasks, like I actually don't mind any of the things that I, I, I'm doing. I, I really enjoy the work that I do. Um, you know, I just want to get to the point where I can honestly hack 100% of the time. Because <laughs> like, I, I, I like it. So and it's doable. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it's doable. So like I said, that's why I'm trying to get my skills up. I'm, I'm trying to be on like hack the box and try hack me every day so I can try to increase my skills, not just for me, but for the next generation of people that I'm trying to, you know, teach week after week so that they can get there as well. Because, you know, there's no reason why, you know, we can't all take over the world. We They say that there's like, you know, at least was it 500,000 um, cybersecurity jobs that are open in the United States. And there, I think there's millions, you know, worldwide. So, you know, we clearly need cybersecurity uh, professionals. They say there's no unemployment for cybersecurity professionals. So like, I, I want to see more people taking those jobs, you know? Yeah, I, I think the numbers and, and the way that they coin that is a little misleading. Um, we have a lot, a lot of people without jobs. Yes, for sure. Uh, but the reason why they're without jobs is the people that are coming out of school and the people that are fresh to the industry aren't getting jobs because the requirements are ridiculous. Like I was looking at one entry level job and they wanted five years experience with this and they wanted like 
two or three certifications. And it's like, who, who coming out of college or in college has that kind of money or that, that amount of time to hand to a company? It's just the, the shortage gap, the skills gap and, and all that, you know, nonsense that the, that the industry spits out all has to do with HR and hiring policies. I think um, a lot of people are, are promoting people in mid-level management to executive level. And instead of raising somebody from an analyst level or entry level to a medium or mid range, they hire from outside. Uh, and that kills the ability for all these, these newcomers into the industry. Um, so I'm really like, that's one of my pushes this year is to be more vocal about the way we hire in the industry um, because it's, it's not right. Uh, um, I, know, I, I, and some of the interviews that oh no i was just going to say like that is my soapbox of choice you know i i feel like there is such a big gap between you know what is being taught in the school system and what is being expected you know for entry-level positions within cybersecurity. Um, and i feel like a lot of that gap is is artificial you know you don't need five years of experience in a ciassp in order to um, be able to get into cybersecurity. Um, you know a lot of gatekeeping type things such as like the fact that in order to get a CISSP that you need a sponsor right so you know who are the sponsors in in cybersecurity who are the people who already have those you know most of the people who have a CISSP are older white men right so it's like if you've got to find somebody to be able to sponsor for you sponsor you in order for you to get into you know the club it's like that's just another barrier to entry in addition to the fact that the certifications are you know hundreds if not thousands of dollars and you know you're not being taught in school what you need in order to join the workforce you know that's the whole point of going to school you know if you're not going to get what you need to 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 work then you know what is the the, the point you know so it I, I will you know die on this this <laughs> this soapbox if i have to but you know i definitely think that you know there needs to be some work to try to bridge that gap and that's kind of what we're trying to do is to try to get people the hands-on skills that they need so that they can kind of go from what's being taught in um, the education system and what is required for jobs. Um, I actually highlight as a um, adjunct professor um, and I'm trying to as much as possible teach you know the next generation of cyber professionals like you know those hands-on skills so that they won't be able to say hey I've got you know degrees and I've never touched NMAP or I've never you know actually touched any tools that jobs are going to require that I'd be able to use in order to start working. Right. I think that, I think that's super important. Um, a whole lot is being taught in school, schools. Uh, when you look at the younger kids and internet and cybersecurity and, and even just, you know, teaching them how to safely, you know, exist on the internet does not exist in schools that much. I think I've only seen a couple of schools that actually teach internet safety to kids. Um, it's pretty sad, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a, it's a good point. Um, Ryan, do you have any more questions for Tanisha? Uh, that's about it for me today, mate. Cool. Cool. Well, Tanisha, we appreciate you coming on the show. And if there is anything that we can do as a community to help you or help your group, we would absolutely love to be involved. Definitely. Um, just let us know what we can let us know what we can do. Uh, drop into Discord. Um, we'll set up a, a channel in the Discord for you. Uh, but definitely, we, we would definitely like to to see some kind of a partnership and, and help you guys out any way we can. That would be amazing. Um, awesome. Uh, if you have any questions for us, me or Ryan, if we cut the show. 
Um, I was just going to um, ask Ryan the same question about how he got to where, you know, where he said, I realized you're in like an entire different, you know, continent. So um, I'm just curious how you got to, to where you're at. Do you have an educational background or like, how, how did you get to where you're at? I see you're doing big things also. Um, well, my so. my story is very, very different to Mike's. I, I, I'm, I'm new. I'm, I'm very new to the industry. Uh, came in at about June last year and just have been learning all I can as fast as I can. I, I've got a Got a, bit, a little bit of a history in cybersecurity or cyber insecurity, whatever you want to, whichever way you want to think about it. But um, yeah, just uh, they were offering free training over here, so I took I took that, and then this whole skills gap thing. There was like eighteen thousand of us coming out with the same the same qualification, so I just took it on myself to learn as much as I could from anywhere I could. Basically, ran into this miscreant, and um, yeah, here from. From there, I've just been uh, through Haunted Hacker. I've just been learning, learning, learning. Just any any facet of cybersecurity that you want to know, there's basically an an, an option for in our little crew. So, which is uh, which is good for someone like me who just likes likes to grab a topic and run with it. So, yeah, that's and I've just been lucky, just making good connections, helping people. Helping people has been the main thing, really. It's through helping others out that I actually got this first position I've got now. So, yeah. So yeah, you don't, it, it you don't, pays to be a good person in cybersecurity. Yeah, I, I was about to say, yeah. I'll see you at the top. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know what? But it's, it's three things, man. Tenacity, curiosity, and integrity. That's all you need. Passion. You have to have passion. That's it, man. Yeah, I think you have to never stop learning also yep. because cybersecurity is one of those things that if you just learn, uh, you know, one thing, you know, you're not going to just be able to keep up with the pace that things are expanding and growing, like even in that one area. So that, Man, I, I did, I did a talk um, in Europe about um, a haunted house, right? So everything in your house that you can possibly hack, dude, it's amazing how much technology comes out every day. Like I was trying to write that talk and I was like looking at one device and I was like, Oh shit, they have a new version of this and it has all these added extra pieces for eavesdropping. That's awesome. Have you seen this, the, the new um, the new Amazon sidewalk thing that's going live? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the mesh. Wow. Yep. <laughs> yep. Have, have you seen the, uh, the Amazon Echo that has the video screen for video calling? No, no. But that's going to be linked to everything I... from the 8th. From the 8th. Yes. Like... I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time that IoT is going to be one of the biggest um, areas moving in the forward just because there's so many freaking devices and there's not really like a lot of, you know, I guess standards as far as like how they should be interconnected. And Zero. so it's it, it's just going to be interesting moving forward because that I think that's going to be like the next, you know, big thing that, you know, five years from now, we're talking about like, how did we ever not have conversations about um, IOT security? Um, you know, the same way that people have been talking about like the critical infrastructure and how, you know, we need to protect it or else you're going to cut off all of the oil from the Southeast. You know, we'll be having a conversation about how, you know, none of the devices and the hospitals or any of the places work because, you know, someone's hacked the IOT infrastructure. So I think that'll be yeah. interesting moving forward. Speaking of which, the, they had an article today where there were six uh, medical companies or hospitals in the U.S. that was hit with ransomware and had to be shut down. Um, it was crazy. So IoT and, and you know stuff like that is is definitely a threat. So I found out in 2016 that surveillance cameras, even though they do video, have high bandwidth. So if you 
break into, I don't know, let's say 50,000 of them, you can create a really nice size denial of service against really anybody because that's a lot of bandwidth. Um, but IoT is one of those things where, yeah, yeah. And so it, it, it's one of those things. things like Showdown, you go to GitHub right now, and you're off and racing. Like, yep, totally. Yeah, I, I see an IoT yeah. botnet in our, in our future. Yeah. Oh, well, there already is. So already, Mariah botnet. Mariah, uh, yeah, we, we, Mariah botnet, we, we, well, they smashed a lot of people with Mariah botnet uh, through security cameras, compromised oh, security cameras that had 1.2 terabytes a second, 1.2 terabytes a second in DDoS. <laughs> yeah, man, big, big. And what's funny is IoT and, and some of those technology companies have no kind of security in their product at all. I mean, things that are security products, like a security camera with no security. How is that possible? Um, but yeah, well, it's one of those things that I, 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 I complain about it all the time because it's like companies, they don't care about security. They just want to make sure it works. If, if it shows a video on a screen, good to go. Who gives a shit about security? Well, I mean, I think that they make the trade-off between like, you know, finding a, a lightweight cryptographic uh, solution to be able to, you know, kind of like operate that can still keep the kind of speed that we come to expect. You know, mm -hmm. we don't want to wait for anything, you know, and yeah. I think that video is probably like our, our most like laggy type um, of technology um, as far as just making sure that it's there reliably. Um, and it really just comes down to, um, you know, uh, I lost my whole train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> so what well, do you think? And, and that goes back to voice over IP, right? No, it, go it goes back to voice over IP because voice over IP, voice over IP has zero security. And when they enable encryption on that protocol, it degrades the quality of service by like 25 to 40%. So from about 2010 until 2016, I had a heyday with Cisco because Cisco, nobody with Cisco enabled security modules on the call manager. So it was like, man, open season. I was eavesdropping on everybody. What yeah, are you gonna say, Ryan? I know. I was just gonna. I just gonna go back to the uh, the Amazon thing that's launching Amazon Sidewalk. What do you think the security implications are going to be of that of the the mesh that the basically the the Bluetooth mesh that's happening? The, all those devices linking together. Like, like to me, it, it sounds like a, a security cluster. You know. It's chaos. I can tell you, I can tell you firsthand, it's going to be chaos because I got an Amazon echo uh, dot just to test. Right. And, and just mess with and see how, you know, the functionality, cause I'd never had one before, never wanted one. So I put it in, I connect it to uh, plugs that go into the wall sockets, lamps, lights, TVs, computers, uh, my Kindle fire. But what's funny is when that one main device gets compromised, shit goes haywire on everything everything yeah. you get the red ring on the on the amazon echo can't connect to shit like it just shuts everything down yeah. um but once you get into like the dot or you know some of the other stuff and like learning some of the skills that you can put into the alexa app yeah. like so oh, I, I found one for inmap there's an inmap skill for it um so when i found that i was like hmm so it has inmap and someone built that I'm going to build in Metasploit. So I'm going to use their module to do my footprint and then use my module to exploit the Alexa. So that's still in the works, but that whole connect, you know, smart home, smart city, 
it's the biggest mistake because those things have been around for so long. When you look at, let's say, take for instance, like the uh, the lights, like the green lights and red lights in, in the city, right? That shit's been there forever. It's not new technology. So when you throw the internet on top of it, that technology goes, oh shit, what do I do here? And that old technology can't really match up with the new shit. And that's why they're having such a hard time with critical infrastructure because it's so old and to revamp that shit millions of dollars, billions of dollars but the sidewalk that's gonna be a mess dude yeah yeah it, it, it'll really be really be interesting like how they put that together because you know just from a security perspective you know you're not you're not you're looking at so many different things that are being interfaced into it um and like i, I really want to see what in map on a on an amazon looks like um i think that's like super cool so I'm going to check that out. But I, I was just saying, like, that a lot of times people make the the trade off between yeah. speed and, you know, uh, security. Right. And in doing that, you know, how many of our IoT devices are going to be, you know, uh, exposed, especially when they're, you know, connected to like a single source, like a, a sidewalk or something like that. You know, we, we talk about zero trust, but at the same time, you know, we're providing a lot of access to, you know, Amazon and the, the people of the world who are trying to put these things out there for convenience. Well, here's here's the key, right? So when you talk about people giving up their security and, and just for something like Amazon or whatever, look at how many people put security cameras in their bedroom. Man. Now, to me, that is, you're trying to add security to your environment, which kudos, great, but you're putting it into your bedroom. So, I mean, that's like the most insecure place for anything, right? I wouldn't want that in my bedroom. Um but you'd be surprised the the crazy stuff people do with technology. And it's like, you know, they, they're all worried about privacy. But yet, like you say, on Amazon, when you fire up Alexa, you have your credit card, you have your email accounts, you have Amazon accounts, address, everything is in that app. So if I can, comp well, if they can compromise that app, they can get pretty much a whole life. Yeah. So yeah, some interesting coming out, man. Yeah. I think the uh, matrix isn't too far away. I think eventually the machines are, are going to outnumber us as if they don't already. John, and, uh, John Connor does a stand a chance, man. <laughs> right, right. We have Starlink. The next thing we get is Skynet. So, so anyways, Tanisha, I want to thank you again for, for coming on to the show and uh, spending some time with us. And you're welcome anytime. Um, it's every Saturday. And the Discord so is, is open all the time. So. All right, well, I appreciate Appreciate you guys for having me. This has been a, a fun talk. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I would like to have you back with maybe one of your mentees and, you know, talk about, you know, BGH again and, and get their point of view uh, from a kid's point of view. I think that would be awesome. Uh, anyways, <laughs> have a good weekend and uh, thanks again. And, and we'll talk to you soon. Later, Ryan. Right. See you guys. Thank Bye, you. guys. Take care. Yeah.